have something on my heart today that I need to share with you online and in person. And there we can find it in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1. And then I'm going to skip and read verse 11 through 20. Are y'all ready for a word? I'm going to read verses 11 through 20, and I'm going to use these words as a launching pad to help me leap into the message and provide you a lesson on today. Somebody say, I'm ready. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is reflecting and speaking retrospectively about his life and his conversion experience. He's taking a look back and he's reflecting upon the time in which he experienced conversion and as he looked back he's talking to the church at Galatia because there are some lessons he wants them to learn because you can always look back and realize yep that was a that was a lesson I learned and when you look at Galatians chapter 1 that entire chapter can be held uh, juxtaposed to Acts chapter 9 for those who care Acts chapter 9 and Galatians chapter 1 can be held together and as a matter of fact Galatians chapter 1 what we're about to read it can be housed it can be situated between verses 25 and 26 for of Acts chapter 9 for those of us who are biblical scholars and you need you need this so you can study when you get home everybody are y'all listening yes. so again between verses 25 and 26 this particular chapter that I'm reading to you can be housed right there Galatians chapter 1 reads, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but I was appointed by Jesus Christ himself and by God, the father who raised Jesus from the dead. Verse 11, dear brothers and sisters. I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. Y'all get y'all shout eventually. I received my message from no human source. There we go. There we go. And no human resource taught me instead. Somebody say instead. I received my word by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. It's exactly what I said when I read this. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, Judaism. 
how I violently persecuted God's church. Y'all know, y'all have heard about me. Y'all heard about my past. Be careful because people will try to bring your past and make it your future. But, but, but he says, you remember, I did my best to destroy the church. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But I like this. But even before, somebody say before. before. Even before I was born. Hey, 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 don't let me finish reading. Don't make me shout. But even before I was born, God chose me. He didn't just choose me, though. He called me. Somebody missed that. Before I was born, God chose me. And not only did he choose me, he called me by his grace. Then it pleased him. Remember, he's, he's, he's thinking back to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, watch this, when he, when he was converted, look at what he says. When I was converted, watch what he says, watch what he says. I did not rush out to consult with any human being. I'm going to read that again because some people didn't catch it. When this, what is this? When I was converted, when I had my supernatural encounter with God, when God spoke to me, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, somebody say instead. I went to Arabia. Somebody said, hmm. And later I returned to the city of Damascus. That's where he had his encounter. See that? See, we just read, we read, and we never take the time to stop because a comma can mean something. The next verse can mean something. And so he said, I went back to the place because we're going to come. I'm going to lift this phrase off of the page and I'm going to place it into your lap because there's a lesson that God wants me to give to you. And it starts even right here. Instead, I went to Arabia. Nobody told me in all of the teaching about the Apostle Paul. How much he did what he did and how much he had in encounters and all he did for the Christian faith. Nobody told me he had to go to Arabia. Keep on reading. And later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, somebody say three. I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter and stay with him for 15 days. Then the only other apostle I met at the time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm saying to you is not a lie. And all of God's people shouted together, amen. amen. Look at your neighbor one last time and say, you better get ready for this word. There's a portion of this text that is so particularly easy for all of us to overlook. And it says, instead of going to where everybody was, instead of getting validation, instead of people putting me into positions, instead of people being happy for me and telling me they love me and follow me and I feel all good about myself, instead of doing these things, 
I went to Arabia. No other place in scripture will highlight this few words. And that is why very few, if anybody has talked about Paul spent some time in Arabia. And that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> For a moment, I want to tag this text. Don't rush the weight. We got work to do. We got work to do. Don't rush the weight. I thought he was going to talk about some relationship stuff. I mean, I, thought, I want to hear somebody say, don't, don't. Rush, rush the weight. Don't, don't rush, rush the weight. The weight. Don't, don't rush, rush the weight. The weight. One more time. Don't, don't rush, rush the weight. The Cousins, there are so many things I could talk to you about the character, the personality, the nature of God, but for the sake of time, I'm only going to highlight one thing. And the thing that I wanna highlight, it's, it's, it's both refreshing and frustrating at the same time. The nature, the heart, the character, the personality of God, and that is this, sometimes God will make you wait. I'm going to let that sit right there so I can find my place. Sometimes God will make you wait. I'm not saying, for those of you who heard something I didn't say, I'm not saying God doesn't love you. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about the things that you care about. I'm not saying God is not concerned about you. What I am saying, God loves you so much and God is so concerned about you that he will not give you what you think you need when you think you need it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm find my comfort zone somewhere. God loves you so much that he will not give you that thing you've been praying. Anybody ever ask God for something? You happy that God didn't give you that thing that you? Anybody, anybody, can anybody shout that God didn't give you that relationship that you thought you? Anybody celebrate God and give you that marriage that you thought? Is anybody excited that God didn't give you that job that you thought you wanted? If God had gave me that job, I would have, it would have stressed the hell out of me. Anybody, anybody glad that, that God let those people leave out? Out of that you thought you needed. I, I, I normally don't don't confess something like this, but here's the thing. This is brand new revelation for me. I'm 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 sitting early in the morning and I and I go into my my wife's room and I say, I didn't know that God made Paul. Wait, I 
I've been a seminary, grad school. I've been studying the word of God, preaching around the word. I didn't, I, I, where was this at? What do you mean? I thought that once he had his conversion experience and once Ananias helped him to heal, as once as he was around the other disciples and when he went out there to share, I thought that was the beginning of his ministry. Nobody told me that God made the apostle Paul, somebody say, wait, before he became the greatest Christian missionary in human history, before he became one of the most read authors in the world, before he wrote 13 out of 27 books of the New Testament. Before, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, before God ever encountered him with visions and signs and miracles, before all of that, before, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, before he was caught up into the third heaven, the heaven where houses the presence of God, before he had those experiences, before he was in heaven and he heard revelations that he cannot, he cannot repeat to anybody. Before he had those experiences. Because we always see the glory but we don't realize and recognize and appreciate the story. Before those things ever happened, God made Paul, somebody said, wait. As a matter of fact, God gave him an assignment to wait. Anybody waiting on anything? Anybody waiting on anything? Like you, 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 you. Some of your greatest tacticians in the word of God had to spend time in a waiting season. You think about David. David was 13 years old when he, he was a teenager when he was anointed to be the king. But he had to. You think about Elijah. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. Are y'all listening to me? I got to talk to my own. I need my online people to talk to me because I need, I, I need somebody to talk back to me. 1 Kings chapter 17. After he spoke to King Ahab and he caused a drought in all of the land. After that, God sent him to the brook Cherith to wait. He had to wait, and over three years, he only had a congregation of two people. For three years, he had to wait. What does God do in you? I came to talk to one person. I don't know who that person is. While you wait, even John, John, John the Baptist, he spent his whole life Preparing for one moment, one verse in scripture. And after that moment, that, that, that one verse, he, you hear nothing else. He waited. Yeah. Ah. Mm. Paul, if anybody is the most qualified, I need to talk to y'all. He's the most, he, if anybody's qualified, Paul is qualified. He's born to Jewish parents who also had Roman citizenship. Everybody couldn't get Roman citizenship, so he was already a step above. At 
even a teenager, he had to, he, he became a student of someone we call Gamaliel. So Gamaliel was a famous rabbi, and so he learned all of Jewish scriptures. He had a hunger. He became, Paul, an expert of the word of God. Somebody say expert. Mm. And so all of his life, he is, he is a Jew, and he's the Jew of Jews. And so when he hears... Acts chapter 9, when he hears about this movement called the church, as far as he's concerned, he needs to keep the sanctity of the Jewish faith. And so he's going to eradicate anybody who calls themselves the church. He would go into the houses. He wouldn't, he, he wouldn't just, he, he would, he would, the men and the women. Usually it's just the men, he, the men, the way he dragged them out and they would beat them and they would imprison them. And so in Acts chapter nine, which coincides with Galatians chapter one, he is now on the road to. Are y'all listening to me? He's on the road to Damascus because I'm going somewhere. And he's now about to go to Damascus because he's already spoken to the high priests and the politicians. So he has now made it legal to be able to go into the homes of Christians and to beat them and to imprison them. So he's on his way. Then he has an encounter. Somebody say encounter. And when he has one of the most fascinating encounters in all of human history, Jesus says, what you doing? Who are you? The one who you persecuting. And so when you look at scripture, Acts chapter 9, I'm going to tell you what's fascinating to me. Is that after he has his encounter and he's blinded and he goes to this house and then Ananias comes to this house and Ananias lays his hands on Paul. So Paul is now converted. He now became a Christian. I'm fast forwarding. He's now a Christian. Ananias touched him. So he's now healed. Somebody say healed. So he's given God his life. He's now healed. And if you keep on reading Acts chapter nine, you will discover that he also became strong. And if you keep on reading around about verse 20, the Bible will say he became powerful. That dunamis, that dynamite, he became so powerful doing what he knew to do. And so he's going throughout Damascus. I'm, I'm drawing a good picture. I got my Crayolas out, so I need y'all to walk with me. So he's going throughout Damascus, sharing the word of God. And the Bible says, verse 20 through 25, that people are saying, isn't this the one who used to persecute the church? Now he's doing great things for God. I can't believe it. And everybody saw how successful Paul was. So much so. The Jews wanted to kill him. A plot was foiled. I'm going to get to that. And so some friends, some new friends, somebody say new friends. They put him in a basket and let him down. This is now verse 25. Let him down the wall so that he can't escape. Somebody shout escape. And right there at verse 25. If you read verse 26, it will say, now when he went to Jerusalem, nah, it's, too, it's too far, too far. Between verse 25 and verse 26, something happens. Between verse 25 and 26, we insert Galatians chapter 1 when he says, I didn't go anywhere, but I went to Arabia. 
How long did you go to Arabia? Three, three, three years. What's in Arabia? Nothing. It's just desert. He was strong, powerful, successful. He gave his life to God. I mean, he already knows the Jewish customs, so he can, he's making a difference. But God still says, wait, what do you do when you are qualified? What do you do when you've been spending the time healing? You, you prayed and you heard from God. What do you do when you did everything you know to do? And God still says, wait, he already preaching. But God says, wait, what do you do? I'm single. I've healed. I'm making a good money. I've submitted my life to God. I'm going to church. I'm serving. I pray. But still, the Lord is putting me in a waiting season. I'm just going to talk to, to myself there, to the one person. What do you do when God tells you to wait? So Paul between verse 25 and 26, God says, I know they tried to kill you, but you're moving too fast. What I actually want you to do, because even when you look at the word powerful, he became powerful. That word literally means God activated power in him. So God giving you power, he giving you gifts, but still you're telling me to, to, to wait. And so he goes to Arabia. What do you do? What was what, what, Somebody say, he's hidden. Okay, Lord, God, I've been, I've been hiding, God. I, I, okay, God, is it in, one month? Okay, God, I've been praying. I know y'all can see me. Y'all act like y'all can't see me. Act like y'all can't see me now. I, I don't have another thing to hide me, so act like y'all can't see me. For those of y'all on the y'all, y'all can't see me? That's the problem. We live in an age of display. You got to see everything that God is doing, everything that's going on. But, 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 but nobody heard about Arabia. I didn't hear about Arabia. Before there was any of the supernatural, before there was an author, before all of the good and big stuff, God made me hide. How long you want me? Just hide. Just hide. But I want to post, Hide. But I want to tell my families, hide. But can, can, can I show something? Can I, can I take something? Just hide. But Lord, I got the skill. I asked you to hide. But God, I have the experience. I'm asking you to hide. Well, God, I've been single for 18 years. Hide. Well, God, my, my, my ex, he's married. So can you just hide? But Lord, my friends who I came from, from high school with, they got all these good jobs. I need you to hide. So in my private time, I'm fumbling it around the place. I'm like, I, surely I'm, I'm seeing things. 
what is Arabia? No, I, I've never preached about Arabia, the Arabia Peninsula. You, you mean to tell me in this time? Uh, uh, yo, actually, the king who was over this territory is the same one who tried to get him imprisoned in, in, in Acts chapter 9. And they was trying to get him. So here he is in silence. And here's the beauty about him being hidden. None of us can conjure up what was happening. Here is the beauty. Me and my wife were just talking about this. She was saying, you know, baby, I see how, how much you struggle, how much you sacrifice, how much you concern about giving God, giving people what God said. I see. I just want everybody else to see how much behind the scenes you carve out and you sacrifice and you plead and you pray. And you know what? Sometimes God hides you. An era of display. So if you want to make this a relationship message, you can make this one. You can make it whatever you want to because what I believe is, even if you're not waiting on a marriage, a relationship, healing, a job, a promotion, something new, a lot of us are waiting. So the tension for me is why don't we talk about the waiting more? Because nothing about Paul's life says he waited. So could it be that sometimes we settle for the Acts chapter 9 before verse 25? 25. I'm successful. You're a little successful. You don't know what God wants to do for you. Oh, I got a relationship. Yeah, relationship is little good, but, but God has something greater for you. And so sometimes you have enough for you right now and you say, this is enough. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep on moving because I'm little successful. But God said, yeah, I know that you're powerful and I know that people are being transformed. But if you allow me to hide you and you learn how to not tolerate the waiting not to endure the waiting, but to embrace. Because in Galatians chapter 1, are you listening, baby? In Galatians chapter 1, he's reflecting. And he's telling them, listen, when I had this encounter with God and God put a calling on my life, I didn't go talk to nobody. I didn't go get affirmation from anybody. I didn't go to somebody say, what do you think? Do you think I should be preaching? Do you think I should go to Houston? Do you, I, I, no, no. I talked to God and God is the one who shared his word with me. Right. Right. Ah. Come on. Do y'all hear what? God, not, he is the one of the only people in scripture. I would say the only person in scripture. I hadn't done the research yet. Who got the entire word from Jesus and nobody else. Nobody preached to him. He knew the Jewish custom, but he didn't know Jesus. And Jesus, over three years, did something in his hiding season that he couldn't do if you're on display and you're out here for everybody to see. Here, come on, help. Come on, come on, come on. He gets saved. He gets his vision back. He spends a few days with the disciples and, 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 and now he, he's healing and he's helping people. And then God says, I need you to wait. Mm. 
Why does God hide you? For the sake of time, I'll tell you this. God hides you to protect you. Because the Bible says that they were trying to kill him. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't see. <laughs> I may not be applicable, but I'm making it applicable right now. So, so we come into town and, you know, we, 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 we rent a Tesla because, you know, we don't get a ride at Tesla another time. And so we rent a Tesla. And so me, so me and my, my wife are driving. And this is just fascinating. And the last time we were here, we're driving. And it shows you the cars on the screen as it's coming beside you. And we're just sitting there at the stoplight or, or going toward the stoplight. And it shows this semi-truck come across our screen. And we like, and we jump, we like, and we're sitting there, and there's nothing. I say, you know what? We don't know what God is protecting us from. I know, I know, it might go over something. All I'm saying, if God is hiding you, and I'm saying he's probably protecting you, you, I, I, you don't know what he's protecting you from. He will protect you. He will hide you because he's going to perfect you. Because there's a kink in your spirit. There's something in your character. There's, there's a deficiency in your life. And sometime God needs to pull you aside out of that that, that. that heartbreak was for your health. How are you going to convince somebody that their heartbreak was for their health? Sometimes God will have that person to not see your value because that person isn't your future. So sometimes God will use heartbreak to hide you. Sometimes God will allow people to overlook you to, just so he can hide you. He, he will blind people so they can't see who you really because he's trying to. He, and so sometimes God will hide you to perfect you. But then other times, that's what he was doing with, with Paul, other times God will hide you so that he can prepare you. So, so he hides you because there's an assignment on your life. Because he says this in Galatians 1. He says, yeah, God revealed his, his son to me. And he told him what he wanted him to do. To share the gospel to the Gentiles. What you don't know. I'm going to tell you this. And this is just side note. God. You can read this in Ephesians chapter 1. God gave a revelation to Paul. That he gave to nobody else in human history. There was a mystery that he concealed from the beginning of time and he revealed it to the worst possible person. And that mystery was grace. He shared it with Paul and Paul shared it with everybody else. Grace to the Gentiles is everybody in here. Just so just so you'll know we're the Gentiles. And so looking at the text, looking at the text, God will hide you to prepare you for what he has for you. But God will also hide you to propel you. Him hiding you is a launching pad for where he's trying. And when God will move slowly and then suddenly. And if you disrupt the hiding process, you won't be able to leap into the place where God is trying to send you. Paul, I know you're content with what you're doing in Damascus, but I'm trying to take you to the entire world. Don't settle for Damascus. Don't just settle for this street, bro. The Lord trying to take you the entire world. 
Somebody say, hide me. Hide me. Somebody say, hide me. Hide me. Mm. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Not only does God hide him for three years. After this three years, verse 26 through 30, and at verse 30, you will discover that he's now, he's now back in Damascus. But he gets into it with some Hellenists. And now they want to kill him. He just gets back from being hidden for three long years. And then God sends him to Tarsus for 14 years. What is Tarsus? Tarsus is his hometown. Tarsus is his childhood. He go, doesn't that seem like a demotion? I, I got to go back. I, what I'm going to do, I, he goes back into obscurity for 14 years. And for 14 years, he comes out of it in, a, in chapter 11, Acts verse 26, 27, 27. When you read there, he's in Tarsus. I'm talking to somebody because you need to know, yeah, not only will he hide you, but he'll then place, place you in obscurity where people just, they just... They walk by you. They don't, they don't see the anointing on your life. They, they don't really see what God is really. And you got to be in obscurity still serving. You got to be in obscurity still praying. Can, can you serve God with the calling on your life while you're in obscurity? Can you pray to God the same way, although you're not where you think you should be? God positions him. He hides him for three years. And then when he comes back, ah. I'm going to send you where you don't think you need to go. I'm ready for a marriage. I'm ready for that promotion. I'm ready for this. Now, what I want you to do is go over there. But can you go where God sends you? And can you serve well while you're there? Mm-hmm. Just think about it. David. David was in the palace. And he had to serve in obscurity. But, but, but before that, he was out in the field in obscurity working on his aim. <laughs> he didn't just arrive there with, with Goliath and he just used one stone. No, he was, he was in obscurity training. He was in obscurity working. So when the opportunity came, he had a skill he didn't even know he needed to use. He had a gifting that he didn't know was going to even save people's life. He, he, I just need one shot and kills. Man, when you think about Gideon, Gideon, people don't realize that you don't know because he spent time private with God, building his courage and his confidence in obscurity down in, in, in that wine press. Lord, I don't know. Yes, you do. I don't know. Yes, you. I need you to do what I've called you to do. Somebody say, hide me. Somebody asked this question online in person. How do I know if God is hiding me? See, I know this. I already know what you'd be wanting. Listen, listen. Let me give you five, six, let me give you seven things. And I'm not going to give it, elaborate on them. I'm just going to give it to you. Seven ways, seven signs that God is hiding you. Number one, he will separate you. Look at somebody say, is he hiding you? Number one, he will begin to separate you. And separating you can come in the form of somebody breaking up with you. Somebody firing you from a job. And before you say, 
It's God who closed that door. <laughs> Don't. It might just be you. Don't be trying to say God is hiding you when it was laziness doing that. One, he will begin to separate you. The people that you align with, the people you're in covenant with, he'll begin to separate you. Sometimes when God is hiding you, you'll find yourself, your circle is getting a little smaller. Or the people that you used to roll with, you just don't roll with. You find new partners. You find new people and the people you thought you needed, you don't need. My wife told me, no, no, you're getting, you don't need what you think you need and who you think you need. Sometimes when God is hiding you, he'll begin to separate you. He'll begin to shift your taste buds, emotional taste buds, your spiritual taste buds, your social taste buds. I just don't have a desire to listen. I don't have a desire to go out. I, don't, I, I just don't. You, God is trying to begin to hide. Somebody say my taste buds are changing. Number three, he'll, he'll begin to close a door. Sometimes that door slam. Other times it might look like it's cracked, but if God's closing the door, let the door close. He'll begin to close that door. When God is hiding you, he will begin to close doors. Hmm. How many... You're not qual enough, qualified enough, Isaac. How many, you know, no, you're not the person we're looking for, Isaac. That's cool. You, I may not be who you're looking for. I may not be qualified in your eyes, but God got something greater. Because me and Jerry, we're just going to turn the world upside down for Jesus. That's, that's just what we're going to do. So, 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 so God will begin to close the door because he's trying to hide you for something else. Sometimes God won't let people see your true value because you will get hung up and you won't get to where God is trying to send you. Sometimes. Sometimes he'll close the door. Number five, no, number four. If he's hiding you, sometimes he'll begin to delay your timeline. Yeah, that, that's where it begins to hurt. That's, it hurts me because for many of us, your timeline has become your idol. Once as you get that calendar date in your mind of that day, that year, that hour, this is what's going to happen, then you begin to worship at the altar of that schedule. What I'm here to tell you is when God is beginning to hide you, he will begin to delay that timeline. And not only will he delay your timeline, but another thing he will do, he will disrupt your plans. See, delaying your timeline and disrupting your plans are two different things. What you thought was going to happen, God's doing something totally. I thought I was. No, you're going to do something totally different in everything. Somebody say disrupt. disrupt. Another thing he would do, he would begin to use something or someone to warn you, inform you, or rebuke you. I have so many instances I can look in the scripture, but I still got something to give you. So I, he will bring something or someone. That's what I love about Paul because somebody, the plan was foiled. Somebody came to him and said, look, I know I shouldn't be telling you this, but I need you to know uh, there's a threat on your life. And so what people try to do in secret, you know, sometimes you discover stuff you weren't supposed to discover because it just lands in your lap. God is trying to hide you. 
And so he will bring someone or something so that it will inform you, it will warn you, or it will rebuke you, or they will rebuke you. But another thing, ah, number seven, you know God is hiding you because he will always send you help. I'm going to say it one more time. When God is hiding you, you don't have to worry about provision. Because if God is hiding you, Elijah, then I'm going to make sure the ravens bring you what you need. I'm going to make sure the ravens give you exact. If, if God hides you, he will make sure you need money for that lot or that land. I'll give it to you. If God hides you, he's going to always send you the people to help you rest. When God hides you, stop stressing. Because if he hids you, then he'll provide for you. But if you hid you, then you're going to be struggling. So how do I know if it's God hiding me or me hiding me? I'm asking the question. How do I know if it's God hiding me or me just running to hide myself? God did that. God didn't do that. that you, you, your personality, I, I, this is how I am. Or I just really, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't really want to deal with people. No, is it, is it, is it God hiding you? Or is it you the reason that you're hidden? I'll give you that answer. I'll give you three things, three ways. Three ways, because Paul teaches us this. When you look at Paul's life in Galatians chapter one, he gives us this evidence. How do you know if God is the one hiding you? Number one, you begin learning God's word. What are you saying? While I was in Arabia, no man didn't teach me God's word. No other source. But Jesus revealed to me his word. If God is the one hiding you one way, you can be able to determine, are you learning God's word? Number two, you know God is hiding you. Are you learning God's presence? See, many times we confuse the two. I'm reading God's word, but are you in God's presence? And so you think about Paul. I was in the presence of God and God was the one who directly communicated with me his word. I was, for three years, I'm hiding. And even for 14 years, I'm in obscurity. I learned what God's presence is like. So if you're hiding, the byproduct, if, if God is hiding you, the byproduct of God hiding you is God doesn't hide you to just waste time. God hides you for an eventual goal. Some of you, well, I don't know the word of God like Paul. That's not the point. Do you know more about the word of God now than you did before you went into hiding? Are you learning God's word? Are you learning God's presence? And the third thing of how you know if God is the one hiding you. Are y'all listening? 
Are you learning God's purpose for your life? What are you saying? Look at the scripture. He said, God was pleased to reveal to me his son who then commissioned me to share his word about sharing the word of God to the Gentiles. So while I was in hiding, I learned the fullness of God's word. I learned how to abide in God's presence. But I also learned God's purpose. Is God hiding you? (laughs) One, somebody say, be patient. patient. Somebody say, "Be be patient. So Paul teaches us this. If you need to do, when you're hiding, This is what Paul teaches us. When God has you hidden. Number one, when God is hiding you, make sure you're seeking him. Somebody say hide and seek. I'm giving you a to do. When God, not if, But when God is hiding you, Paul teaches us the best thing you can do is seek him. Hide, go seek. Hide, go seek. Hide, no, 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 no. Hide, no, 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 no. Hide, when God is hiding you. Some of you, you need to get your seek back. Because here's the thing, when you fall in love with God's presence, it's so good. Fall in love in God's presence because God's presence will keep you when the validation of people won't. Fall in love with God's presence because God's presence will keep you when the validation of people runs out. Don't chase promotion. Chase relationship. I only got this and one more. Don't chase promotion. Chase relationship. Paul had supernatural encounters. He could perform miracles. (laughs) He was making a difference in the people's lives. But how many of you know you can do all of that and still not have relationship? You can do all of those things and still not have relationship with God. So God said, yeah, yeah, I I know that I've empowered you. I know you're making a difference and you're helping people, but I want relationships. So I need you to come and hide. For some of us, power, you need to know power is not your grade. That promotion is not your grade. Success is not your grade. Jesus, God said to Paul, I need you to come and hide because what I need from you is relationship. Somebody shout relationship. The last thing is this. When God is hiding you, there's something you need to remember. If God created you, then God already called you. 
Good, good afternoon, church, and may the Lord bless you real good. But if God created you, then God already called you. Because purpose always precedes the person. Purpose exists before you ever did. God creates your purpose before he ever creates you. This is why Paul was able to say, oh, even from my mother's womb, God separated me and God already called me. Jeremiah, Isaiah, they'll tell you while I was in my, the matrix of my mother's womb, God called me. Think about this. Adam, Adam, come here, Adam. The Bible says that there was no, no, no grass or no herbs of the field. And it said the reason why there were no herbs in the field because there was no person to till the ground. The next verse, it says, so God caused dew to come up from the ground so that now it watered the earth. So now there was grass on the earth and then he created Adam. So he does not create Adam until he creates a purpose for Adam to be created. So somebody do this. Breathe on your hand. Breathe on your hand. If you, if you can feel breath on your hand, then God already has a purpose for you. Because your purpose existed before you ever came here. And if your purpose existed before you came here, if God already called you, then God can't forget about you. So I don't care how long you're hiding. 30 years, 40 years, 15 years, five weeks, five months. God created you. The purpose is already here. He's already called you. So if God calls you, God is not a God who forgets. Somebody raise your hand and say, God, hide me. Lord, we thank you. For what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and what our hearts have felt. Lord, we thank you for your word and your will. We thank you for this word that has been sown on today. And it is our prayer, God, that it falls and has fallen upon good ground. Lord, we love you today. And God, for many of us, you're hiding us and we are, we're, we're, we're resisting the hiding. So God, settle our flesh. Give us the power, awaken the power inside of us to silence our flesh. Because God, whatever you're doing in our season of hiding is greater for us than the thing that we think we want. So continue to do a good work, a great work inside of us. We thank you online around the entire world and right here in person. Thank you for hiding us. And God will be remiss in saying, we will not rush the wait. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody around this entire sanctuary shouted together, amen. amen.